Hi, welcome to the Xbox World Strongcast. We hope you're all well out there and uh, and enjoying the summer in inverted commas, which uh, at the time of writing is is pretty disappointing. At uh, a time of writing, I should probably say, time of speaking, uh, it's magazine uh, magazine brain on. Uh, it's pretty disappointing. So we're hoping for uh, it to perk up a little bit, and uh, and we hope by the time this podcast goes out at the end of the week, the sun will be out for the weekend. Hopefully. And if it's not, that's fine because you can just whack us on your uh, your iPod or your MP3 player, or whatever you've got, and and just listen away. So um, hello to you all. Thanks hello. for tuning in. This is Matt with me today. Hi, I'm Tim. Of course, uh, we haven't got any mic today because he's. Um, He's away in Mallorca this week, and never has a man complained so much about sitting on a sunbed all week. Has he been? Uh, I know he's been emailing you. He's been he? emailing. It's like relax, just you're on holiday, you know. Like he's posted a picture on his Twitter of, oh, you know, I'm sitting next to a pool, I don't know what to do, and it looks absolutely stunning. It looks gorgeous. I mean, the guy doesn't know how to relax. What kind of man doesn't know what to do when he's sat next to a pool? Yeah. Well, what would you do? I'd uh, I'd dip my toe in. <laughs> you dip your toe in, all right. That's not a euphemism, is it? Maybe <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, I went on holiday a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and it was fantastic. You know, you just sit there, you read, you catch up on your reading. Yeah. You know, you switch your phone off for the week. Don't any answer any emails or any texts. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Anyway, um, we're going to talk a, a little bit today about. Um, well, we've actually got some cracking questions from from you guys uh, on our Facebook uh, yesterday, which we've brought along with us. So we're going to intersperse everything by answering as many of them as we as we possibly can. Um, some of them we may end up covering as we chat, uh, and, but if we don't, we we will attempt to um, attempt to uh, answer as many as we can. And uh, but first of all, we're going to start off uh, by getting Matt to talk a little bit about E3. Mm-hmm. Now, for anyone who's listened to our E3 podcasts um, over the past, um, well, E3 a week. couple of weeks ago, yeah, yeah, every every night for five days, Mike and I recorded a podcast, um, starting from the night before the Microsoft conference, going right through to the end of the show, and they varied in length from about twenty minutes to an hour. And you, and you skyped it right up, and and when I was listening to them, I came back from holiday. Oh, did you to listen? Them. To yeah, them? yeah. Um, did I sound massively tired? No, the, the weird thing was is that Mike sounded like he was recording it in Osama bin Laden's cave, <laughs> right. and, and you were crystal clear. Really? It's weird. I, I don't know whether it's just a quirk in, in Skype or, or whatever, but anyway, uh, for anyone who's listened to that, you'll, you'll probably be fairly aware of Matt's take on the show and that kind of thing, but I figured it was worth us just kind of going over it and maybe having a, a kind of last word on, mm-hmm. on the show, and uh, because, we, I mean... Some people said that it was a disappointing show. Some people said that uh, Microsoft didn't really, um, didn't really dazzle in the way that they they should have done. Yeah. Um, what was, what was your take on it? Well, I totally see all those points, and I think it's I think they're very valid in many ways. I mean, Microsoft didn't come out and wow everyone. I don't think anyone did. I think the closest anyone got was Nintendo, and I was quite surprised by how mixed the reaction to Nintendo's uh, announcement to Wii U was. And I think that was in part because they almost fumbled. They had they had the winning hand. They could have owned E3. And to some extent, I believe they sort of did. But they they fumbled their announcement. And that after their keynote speech, no one really knew what they had. Whether It was, it was, it was, it, it was, it was very one, bizarre. They had to tweet at the end saying, oh, by the way, guys, this is the picture of the new console. We didn't actually show you it, you know, at the, yeah. at, at the, at the speech. But going back to Microsoft, I mean... So it's my first E3, first of all. And just on a personal note, like many of you guys listening, all my life I've, you know, I've dreamed of going to E3. I've always wanted to. And and for once I finally did. And it was a great, great experience. Yeah, there were a few 
low points. And yes, there wasn't a lot of content for everybody. But anyone who walks out of that E3 saying it was a massive disappointment, I think is is just wrong, first of all, and just losing sight of what was at the show. Because there, there were solid showings from everyone without anyone really excelling. Mm. I mean, on the Microsoft front, I think the problem many people had is that Microsoft had something for everybody, but they didn't have a lot for any one person. Mm. So the message was, if you've got Connect, there's some great things coming out for, for Xbox. If you don't have Connect, go buy Connect. That was Microsoft's one message from start to finish, bar the Halo 4 announcement, which unfortunately they ruined by posting online earlier on in that day. And I think, you know, m- many people reacted negatively to that i mean little points that came out of their conference even stuff like bing you know you can just say you know xbox uh bing and then the name of something you want searching means instantly you can find the content that you want rather than trawling through menus and menus that's a really cool feature to have i mean it's a little thing Mm. but it's a really cool addition uh youtube going to 360 what a great thing we can finally start uploading game footage to youtube and and be able to watch it on on 360 awesome the tv stuff Again, great. It's coming because they announced it's coming to Europe as well. So no longer do we have to sit and, and say, oh, look what US has got again on Xbox and we haven't. We'll finally be able to get you know lots more TV channels and shows. Uh, and then in, on the games front, I mean, you can't really complain when you've got stuff like Mass Effect utilizing Connect in really exciting ways. Ghost Recon doing exactly the same. You've got, I say, Halo 4, Halo uh, Combat Evolved Anniversary which is looking great, by the way. We saw it on, in a behind-closed-doors event. It's looking very tasty. Um, when you've got stuff like Forza 4, when you know that Gears of War 3 is going to come out towards the end of the year and it's going to be you know, a crazy scoring game, when you've got all the third-party exclusives such as Tomb Raider and, uh, and Call of Duty and Battlefield, all these games, there are so many games that, that were shown at the event. Skyrim, Skyrim was at E3 and it was being demoed on Xbox 360. It looked better than anything else at the show, and it was being demoed on our console. I find that astonishing that six-year-old hardware is still making the best game of 2011. Mm. The new Bioshock looks great. There are so many good games. So for people to come out of that event and say, meh, E3 was a bit disappointing. I think one of the problems is that that people base how good an event is on how surprised they came away Absolutely, they do. And and I I mean... and I think we we as journalists probably do that as well to an mm. extent. You know, we we kind of come out and say, "Oh, that was a bit disappointing," even though they announced Halo Four, and even though yeah. they've got all this, you know, incredible thing. I think people were anticipating it to be good, and because it was predictably good, it therefore wasn't great. Yeah, and we we should. I'm not saying we should scale down our expectations because as gamers we deserve to you know to expect greatness that's what we should be demanding from from these publishers and from these studios but at the same time we need to almost kind of take stock of of what we've been given mm. and just appreciate I mean at any E3 I think hardware is going to win like if someone comes out with new hardware that's hot stuff and obviously Sony had Vita their new handheld and um and Nintendo had Wii U. Microsoft didn't have anything on that front. I think next year might be a very different story. Yeah, I mean, they were pushing hardware that people already knew about. I mean, that was Connect. Everything, as you said, everything in that presentation really came back to Connect. Even mm. the Bing stuff comes back yeah. to Connect. You know, everything is about if you haven't got a Connect, yeah. then you really need a Connect. I mean, Otherwise, you're going to be out in the cold. FIFA uses Connect. Madden uses Connect. Uh, what was it? Tiger Woods is going to use Connect yeah. for the first time. I think FIFA is going to be possibly quite exciting because for me, FIFA will be using Connect 
say for your um you, you know your your formation you'll you'll yeah. actually be like the manager you'll be like barking orders like attacking or defense or maybe you can like call runs to a certain extent just like you you do at the tv just like we do when we sit and play in the office and we're like make the run make the run maybe we don't know how connect's going to be used but maybe just maybe connect's going to pick up on those commands and actually work that into the game mm. i'd be quite inter- interested to see how it will work in an office situation where there are two people playing how it will know who wants what to happen yeah that's that's I mean, maybe that they're not going to use connecting that way at all. But um, that's going to be an interesting situation, one we're definitely looking forward to. I mean, they've certainly got to, they've certainly got to raise their game on the on the connect front. I mean, we all, you, me, and Michael went out and bought connects day mm-hmm. one, and I mean, they've been gathering dust since about the yeah, first, first couple of weeks. Yeah, this this year finally we got Child of Eden, which I'm not going to lie, it is a actually better on the pad. But that's not to say the connect element is redundant. I find it, I find Child of Eden good to play on connect like. A couple of times a week I'll play it on Connect. The majority of times that I'll play it, I'll play it on Pad. But I, I just like to be able to play the odd level here and there with Connect just because it's it's mm. so different. It's so involving. And the reason I don't want to play it all on Connect, A, I don't think it's as precise. And B, even just holding out your hand like in front of you for 20 minutes at a time, your arm starts to ache. Yeah. I'm not like a weedy guy. Okay, I'm not Mr. Muscle or anything. But constantly doing that and moving your arms about it takes its toll and you can't, as a gamer, it's, it's not something we're used to yet. We can't do it for hours at a time. I'm going to be sort of mildly controversial here and say that the, the only problem with with Child of Eden, and I know that you guys love it, mm-hmm. is that it's, it's it still feels to me like a very niche game. You know, it feels like a game that people will look at and go, what the hell yeah. is that? You know, it's not the game that's going to bring people to connect. No, I don't. You know? I don't think it will. It, like you say, it's very niche. I think for people who get it, it's, it's quite an incredible experience. But I use that word; it's an experience rather than a game in many ways. Mm. I think a lot of people aren't going to get it, or are going to going to see it and just think, "Oh, it's some kind of weird, trippy, interactive music thing," uh, without actually realizing like it's a there's a on rail shooter beneath. You know, beneath the coating there, there aren't really any characters to latch onto there's nothing traditional about it that gamers can see and say oh yes that's you know that's something I'd like to go out and buy uh, it, it just I think it's a game that depends on word of mouth more than yeah. anything did you did you play that Rise of Nightmares at E3? no I was originally down to but uh, a scheduling conflict and uh, a little bit of um, problems here and there we never got to but I did watch other people play it because for people who don't know that's uh, the new game from Sega I can't remember who developed it off the top of my head I couldn't tell you either um, but it's but a horror it's, game it's a horror game for Connect, and uh, I watched a trailer for it yesterday <laughs> and it looks super super cool yeah I, uh, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to Rise of Nightmares in fact I'm chatting to Sega now to see if we can get in front of it in the next couple of weeks Um I think you're creeping around. So they had like a little dungeon set up on one of the corners of the Sega booths and they had people going in and you had videos outside. You had two TV screens outside, one of which showed the game and one of which showed the person playing. I think with Rise of Nightmares, as you wander around these environments like uh, dungeons and <clears throat> there's a train at one point and you uh, you can pick up weapons and like hack monsters to death and is things are jumping out and whatnot. Um I think it all comes down to the navigation. Like when I was watching <clears throat> a couple of guys play it, there it wasn't. I think they were struggling with the navigation a bit. You had to like sidestep or kind of lean to go a certain way or put your foot forward to start walking in that direction. Mm. And it's a very unique skill set you need to learn to make it work. And it's not something that in ten minutes 
on the show floor of E3, yeah. you can get a, fi- a firm handle on no. and grasp. <clears throat> and as a result, like the game looked a bit messy in some ways yeah. because people couldn't quite navigate the world. I mean, what we want to do is get it in the office or, you know, go to say or whatever and play it and put it through its paces and see whether or not it's something that you're going to be able to control because otherwise, if not, it may as well just be an on-rail shooter mm. that you start like you can say okay now you move forward now you stop now you move forward now you now you stop like killer seven was actually talking about killer seven um which we chatted about in in one of the reviews we just did now um because you know it all comes down to navigation and that's been the case with most connect games like back in the day do you remember when connect was supposed to have a little handheld analog stick essentially so you could walk around Mm. that was all the rumors were pointing towards that uh, and there were different games being developed. I know of I know of one actually that was being developed with that in mind. It never happened because the analog stick never happened. So ever since then, we've had this battle about okay, if we've got an open world in Connect, how are we going to walk around it? And no one's yet found a solution. The new Fable, Fable of the Journey, which didn't show well on the show floor. And Peter Molyneux apologised to me, in fact, about that. Um, when we had a, a behind closed doors chat and look at the game, and he said this game is as opal is yeah is as opal is as open as the first Fable game. He just didn't want to show navigation on on the Microsoft stage because it was too much to kind of explain. Mm. Um, but in the actual game, you'll be like pointing to an area to move in that direction, and then you'll be leaning with your body to you know go around corners and whatnot. And again, it's without seeing it, just hearing about it, it all sounded a bit wishy-washy. Yeah. And it's just this problem about navigation with Connect. How is it going to happen? Mm. And and yeah, that, that's always going to be the situation. So with Rise of Nightmares, it all comes down to that. Let's take a question here because it kind of fits in quite nicely. Danny uh, Marigliano asks, um, do you think the Wii U indicates the games industry will soon start moving away from motion control and towards portability? Do you think this means Microsoft will release a dedicated handheld in the near future? Um, and I guess an offshoot of that is, do we think the Kinect is going to be successful? Um, a few questions there. First of all, are games going to move away from motion control? Um, no, I think a big part of Wii U is still incorporating the motion yeah. control. I mean, if you factor in that it's still is compatible with the Wii, Wii Remote, um, I think for Nin- and Nintendo's always had a, its own game plan. I, I think it would be foolish to look at Nintendo and try to guess where everyone's going to go. Even though, you know, eventually Sony, and Microsoft have tried to copy the success of the Wii mm. with Move and Connect. I think they're always going to do their own thing. Um, I don't see the Wii U as an attempt to replace motion control at all. I see it as an attempt to to bolster it. I think as it's to like complement ne- yeah, it. Yeah, it's like that. I think that <laughs> it, it sort of proves how bad their uh, presentation of that that yeah. hardware was because I think it, it's motion control and it's a lot else as well. You know, it's, <clears throat> yeah. it's it reminded me. Some of it reminded me a lot of that Microsoft Surface kind of oh, thing. Yeah, you know, where you're sort table. of swiping things. Yeah, you know, back to the TV yeah. kind of thing, you know, and it's it's obviously got touchscreen as yeah. well. I really thought the idea of of um, sitting down in front of your TV and transferring your game onto your portable device, whatever that yeah. is called, I'm not sure, and taking it to bed or taking it on the bus, or whatever. That's that that is a natural next step mm. in gaming f- for my. For it my absolutely is, but what take it to bed? Yes, but it's not take it to the bus. It's not a handheld thing. 
it's not a handheld console oh, at all. Right, okay. that, that again, that's part of the confusing thing about Nintendo's offering is that it's still been transmitted from the actual console itself so it's like under a your Wi-Fi telly. kind of device. Yeah, so right. you can go up to bed, you can go sit on the John if you want, but you can't then take your game to work and, and pause it at work and play uh, see, it. I never even realised that. They, they've come out and said like this is not a handheld console. Their handheld console is the 3DS. Like this is very much a home console. It's just one that you can you can take Play to different rooms. So um so so in terms of are we going to see movement towards handheld? No, I don't think so. I still think you'll have the console, the home console, and the handheld divide. I mean, PlayStation, you've got PS3 and you've got Vita. What you might just see is a little bit more interaction between the two. Something Nintendo's tried in the past and failed. They mm-hmm. had the GameCube Link cable, which linked the GameCube and the Game Boy Advance. And about five games that utilised it. Um, will we see a handheld console from Microsoft? I'd love it. I've said in the past, I think I said a few years ago, I would love to see a handheld console from Microsoft that just played XBLA games. It'd be great. It'd be like imagine if you could, you know, play Beyond Good and Evil on the bus on the train. If if you could yeah, play I mean, Rock of Radio, I, I think that'd be really good. I don't. I think Microsoft's plan for handheld already exists. And I've got one. It's a Windows Phone Seven. Mm. That is their handheld. Yeah. It's already linked to Xbox Live. I get achievements. A lot of the games are coming over anyway. Pac-Man Championship Edition DX is over. Sonic Four has just come out. Uh, more games are you know on their way they're already on XBLA yeah. that is Microsoft's and vision of course, for handheld and of course a phone has a lot more revenue streams than than an ordinary handheld mm. does you know I think Microsoft probably look at Sony and their I mean I know it's been relatively successful in Japan but the PSP's been a, a bit of a disaster in Europe yeah. uh, and to a lesser extent in America and, and I think you know compared to the Nintendo handhelds it's been absolutely buried and I'm sure they look at that and you know think, do we want to ship a load of money going, you know, risking, risking something, you know, like this when they haven't even established Connect. You know, yeah. Connect is Connect's done very well for them. I think it's like yeah. eight million units shipped worldwide or something. Uh, but that doesn't mean eight million units sold. I mean, it just means that they've shipped that mm. number into stores. But they still, they, you know. Even if you assume they've they've sold half of them or th- or three quarters of them, it's still a hell of an achievement. And I think one of the problems with Connect is that um, is that it was possibly even more successful than Microsoft anticipated it being. And I don't think they've been quite ready for mm-hmm. for how uh, what quick uptake it's had. And that's why I think that they've lacked the support. Mm-hmm. The games. I mean, since the launch, since launch, we've had Child of Eden as the only serious. Uh, hard what, yeah. inverted commas hardcore game yeah. and we've had a load of shite yeah you know, I mean we've like got a couple of good games like Dance Central is a good game I wouldn't label it hardcore at all no but, but I mean they're all launch titles yeah you know so so they, they came when was it last November November or you know so we're in June now you know it's months after yeah so. it just, it's just it's almost mind boggling that they've taken this long to unveil like the Ghost Recon Connect stuff and the, um, the the Mass Effect, I mean the Mass Effect Connect stuff is awesome. Not so much the the actual talking conversations because it takes longer than just using a button. And it's certainly like when you say what you see on t- on on the screen, it's kind of cool. Like saying it and then have Shepard say it. Only Shepard doesn't say it. You say what's written. Yeah. But then Shepard says something completely different. It's yeah. like oh, I'm not even saying what, yeah. what he or she says. And um, but. The actual squad commands the, is really cool. Yeah, the, the, that was my impression of it. The squad commands were really good. The 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 um, saying their lines for them yeah. thing was less exciting. Yeah. And uh, and Forza for obviously all its kind of usage there. I find it astonishing that Microsoft has taken so long to be ready to talk about its hybrid games because we've known about hybrid connect gaming 
since before Connect's launch. It's just everyone was NDA'd up. Studios were NDA'd up, so they couldn't talk about these features. I don't know why Microsoft were afraid to announce it, to, afraid to say, look, this is what's coming. It's not going to be for a while, guys, but this is what Connect's going to turn into. And finally, we're seeing Connect. Last year was about just getting Connect out there, getting in, in, shop, in shops and in homes and just getting people ready for what was coming. This year is about delivering on the promise of Connect. So in the Ghost Recon demo, you, you saw finger tracking, which is something they originally had in Connect and they took out for you know to get it ready for launch. It's been put back in now with software updates, so it can recognise your fingers. You can fire guns just with finger movements. And we're seeing other things Connect can do as well that were originally promised, but then were scaled back for the launch. And now we're seeing you know Connect live up to its promise. So it's not like Microsoft's introducing new things it's finally giving us what it had intended two years ago yeah um and so this year is about getting the message across that that connect is the future which is what the whole e3 conference from microsoft's point of view was and that it's going to do all these things that you thought it should do but didn't quite yet or that you hoped it would do it's going to do everything you want it to and i think as of next year it's going to be building more of the big brands Mm. on connect so run us through your top three to five games of the show. Uh, Skyrim, number one, with a bullet. Skyrim was amazing. And the fact that it was demoed on 360, like I said earlier, I find astonishing. I mean, that's a game that you should be showing on a nuclear-powered PC. And yet they demoed it on six-year-old hardware that ran Oblivion. Oblivion, I'm not going to lie, Oblivion is one of my top five games of all time. I adore it. I nearly found my degree because of it. I thought it was just an amazing world, great experience, so much to it. Um play it nowadays it's still a great game don't get me wrong but it looks old at the time it looked like the second yeah. coming you know for 360 now it looks really old really dated it doesn't perform well like it's jittery it's jerky it's a bit ugly in places oblivion looks astonishing i don't know how they've done it on their skyrim. Th- on the, sorry skyrim that's right looks astonishing i don't really understand how they've done it on the 360 i know it's got a new engine and everything but to have a world that big that round with content so many people you know voicing characters and whatnot having it and and to have the confidence to demo it on 360 is mind-blowing the only other game i'd put in that category is to as for me sitting down not quite believing what i was seeing was bioshock infinite mm. which would be my number two i think it's almost a little bit daunting like the environments they yeah. showed were huge. There was yeah. a lot going on. And I thought, am I going to have a handle on this as a gamer? Am I going to be able to replicate what they're demoing me today? Obviously, as of yet, you know, the people who weren't at the show, and that includes people like me, um, haven't seen the full 20-minute demo, no. uh, which uh, Rational say they will release uh, in the in the near future. So we'll all get a chance to have a look at that. But Matt saw, you know, you saw 20 minutes of mm-hmm. it and... Having seen the, I think it was a minute and a half trailer yeah. of it. I, is I, that expanded? Yeah, yeah, I was I was pretty, I mean, I was blown away by what I saw. I thought it looked amazing, but I was pretty daunted by what I saw. It yeah. looked like a lot, uh, a lot to take on board. You know, there's yeah. a bit of shooting, a bit of jumping off, a bit of um, what they call it, sky... Skylines. Skylines. Um you know, there's there's a tonic. What the tonic's called this time? Oh, God, um, now you're asking. V, 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 oh, we should have come prepared. Yeah, we should have come prepared. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, those tonic things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot to take on board. And mm. and at the same time, you're having to um, 
protect and 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 when she's kidnapped re re um reconnect yeah. with um with elizabeth with elizabeth so there's a lot there's, there's a there's a lot to it and mm. uh you know we're irrational we're a very 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 talented developers so i'm sure they'll be able to balance all those different threads but i mean you know when it was all kicking off in that video i i turned to you in the office and said you know yeah. that looks like a lot to yeah kind of manage and it, and it does but you know, so so did Portal Two when that was being demoed, and you know it came out, and it was actually pretty simple. Mm. So, uh, so, so I, I have absolute faith in Irrational that they'll bring out Bioshock, and it will make the first Bioshock look embarrassingly mm. bad because um, Infinite looks spectacular. So that was my number two <laughs> bad choice of words. Uh, my third favorite game of the show was it's probably Battlefield Three. Yeah. I'm honestly going to go out for my birthday. Obviously, you and I have have the best birthday yeah. ever, July thirteenth. July thirteenth. Remember that, readers. If all you want all presents, welcome. Yeah, um, I'm going to go treat myself for my birthday and drop a, a, an obscene amount of money that I've saved up over the past year on a, on a prostitute. On on that, uh, and then uh, once my you know once I've stoked my ego, I'm going to drop anything left on a on a really powerful gaming PC. Yeah. Uh, I know Battlefield 3 is coming to console and it's going to be great on console. It's going to be a bit different on console. I want to play it on PC because you've got the bigger areas, you've got more people in multiplayer. It looked amazing. In fact, it didn't just look amazing. I played it. I played it on uh, on PC and it played great. I think I said on the E3 podcast, it was the first time I played a PC shooter for about five years. I don't think I played one since Half-Life 2. So I was actually a little bit nervous when I found out it was hands-on on PC because I was like, what are the buttons? Which is an awful thing for a gamer to admit, but hey, I've just been console for five years. Yeah, you do get. I think you um, do get into your comfort zone on console. But uh, I slipped back in the groove. Out of everyone who was playing, I came second of the That's whole. Good, That's very good of it all. So I was well chuffed. So so I managed to to do well there, and it played great. We played a rush map on on in a Paris level, uh, and it started off in a park and went from the park to the underground uh, tube stations. Um, what was it? The Metro in Paris, yeah. underground Metro. And then from there it went into a city environment and buildings falling down and everything. It was great. So they're my top three. Okay, yeah. wait, wait, before we move on, a couple of questions are tying to that, which okay. tie in really nicely. Firstly, you talked about a gaming PC. Yep. Connor Sutherland Lockhart mm-hmm. says, what's the best gaming... He says laptop for a thousand pounds, but oh, I, I guess you're you're looking around that kind of mark. Are you? Yeah, I, I'm looking at that, but for a desktop. Right. Um, in terms of laptop, oh, I, I really couldn't tell you off the top of my head for that might be a question for, for Mike. I t- yeah, or, or something. The PC gaming guides guys. Um, there are a couple of of places that they choose to to buy from. A couple of websites that they favour, um, which they've given me the the links for, mm. which are absolutely what you want to be looking for. Um, in terms of looking for a new laptop, there are a couple of places you should absolutely go because if you go take your one thousand pounds to. <clears throat> A certain retail shop, for instance, mm. what you'll get is about half as good as what you can get on these sites. Okay, so, so, what are the uh, sites? so I, uh, that's the thing I can't, can't tell you, but I can put it on Facebook. Yeah, we'll, like, we'll reply to that later, day. Connor. We'll uh, we'll we'll pop that on Facebook. And then uh, Tiernan McNally says, "Do you think that the consoles will be able to cope with the power that Battle Three, Battlefield Three, is packing? Will the console versions of Battlefield Three still be able to hold their own graphics-wise compared to the PC version? No, they'll look great." They look really, really good, but they're not going to look as good as a PC. It's quite funny, actually. Um, some people, because they demoed the PS3 on the Jimmy Fallon show. Is it Jimmy Fallon? Yeah. Is that the guy? And some people afterwards said, uh, 
said, oh, I'm disappointed. It doesn't look as good as the PC version. And a guy came out from DICE. I don't remember who it was, but man alive, he came out with one of the best quotes I've ever heard. He said, like, well, of course it doesn't look as good as the PC version. Like, if we had the PC version looking as good as console, we wouldn't be doing PC gamers justice. And that's absolutely right. What people have got to remember is that the current hard, you know, hardware generation for consoles is five, six years old now. Mm. Like... Dice is a studio that started off as PC gamers and, and devs. They absolutely need to be doing more on PC than on console. I don't think there's anything wrong with making a game that looks better on PC and like having it run on console, you know, a little bit lower res. I think that's absolutely fine. Um, I think it makes sense. I think anyone who doesn't adopt that policy is shortchanging PC gamers. Yeah, I mean, if it looked, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it looked the same on on consoles, then PC. What's games the point in having a PC if that's the case? Be, be nice. So, I, I mean, you, remember as well is that it was probably it was probably demoed on the world's most powerful PC as well. Yeah, I think you do not need to worry about Battlefield Three on consoles. It's going to be a fantastic game. If you play Battlefield Bad Company Two online, you'll already have faith that that's going to be the case. It looks even better on console. It plays even better on console. It just won't look or... No, I'll, I'll just stop and say it won't look as good as a PC version. Mm. Um, it won't have as many numbers in the multiplayer maps as on PC either on consoles, but that's not to say it won't play as well. It'll just play a bit different. Each person will be a little bit more involved in the battle. Battles can be won by individuals more than they could on the PC. Andrew Haynes has, asked, has actually asked the same question I just asked you, which was what was your, your favourite games of E3? So you've had three of the five. You've three had five. Uh, Skyrim, Bioshock yeah. and Battlefield. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think back to what I saw now. Um, Far Cry? It's a contender. I think I need, I'm obliged to say Batman Arkham City. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't say I was blown away by it. I wasn't massively impressed by that demo I, I saw online. I mean, don't get me wrong, mm. it looks... It looks immense. Yeah. I'm a, a massive Batman fanboy yeah. anyway, so I'm psyched for it. But I have to say that it, it wasn't like the... I know that they've really gone for evolution, not revolution, which is exactly how they should have gone. But yeah. I, I somehow expected it to be more... more a, different you know more different and it's it's yeah. it's not it's, I, I, it's the same I, I sat there it's, it's this thing about weighing up by expectations managing expectations I was sitting there and I was like you know what like I've already seen this bit in action I'm playing it now and it's only as good as my favourite game from two years ago and I'm thinking it's like hang on that's brilliant like it's it's I gave Batman Arkham Asylum 95% a score I stick with to this day. Yeah, the boss battles weren't brilliant, but man, what an experience that game was. Man, those electric floors are good. (laughs) Overall, that was the best game of that year, including Uncharted 2. I maintain the fact it's better than Uncharted. Um, And Arkham City, I fully believe it's going to be better than Arkham Asylum. I don't think it'll just be as good as it. It'll be better. I'm pretty convinced of that fact. Um, But it was kind of hard to sit there on the show floor playing a, you know a demo I've already seen before and being impressed because I, I already knew I know how I, I, I finished the first game five times over I know it inside out so it just felt more the same mm. uh, and so walking away it, it, it was hard to say wow that was amazing it was amazing it absolutely was I just went in knowing how good it would be I think I need to put it in my top five just because when that comes out this year we're going to drop a crazy score on it and we're going to be justified in doing so yeah that once again will be in my behind Skyrim that'll probably be my game of the year 
Listen, I, I think it looked incredible. I think what they're doing, uh, Rocksteady have really, really come out and, and, and done the business on it. What, what I just expected more of was mm-hmm. I just expected them to go, ta-da, and like come out with some thing where you're like, wow. Yeah. You know, whereas all the way through I've been going, well, that looks great. Yeah. It looks like Arkham Asylum, you know, but yeah. better. And, and and I guess, you know, they have prepped us for that all the way yeah. through. And, and it's not even necessarily a criticism of the game. Um, because Arkham Asylum was, as you say, um, brilliant. But but I, ju- I don't know. I just I, flying around that city and kind of going in and the combat system and all that stuff. The combat system is more complicated now. Yeah. Um, and just I, I don't know. Something about it just we, left me we, a little bit cold. We want to. We want. We're hoping Catwoman doesn't spoil the mix. We're pretty sure she won't. Yeah. She'll handle like the same way, to be honest. Um, and it's quite cool. I mean, having her in there, like we predictive predicted a few issues ago that's really cool and mm. uh, we just want to you know make sure that it doesn't lose that sparkle that the first game had what we what we should also remember is that rocksteady were very cagey on um on the first game in terms of the content that was going in yeah. they, we knew about the scarecrow levels mm. but we weren't allowed to talk about them um i think that was the only thing they said apart from just like plot points that was the only thing we weren't allowed to talk about but going into this i chatted to to dax Jin, who's a game marketing manager guy and um he said like, i was chatting about catwoman and i said like why did you choose to to announce it because obviously you kept scarecrow levels quiet and that was a big thing for you guys and he was like well catwoman is such a huge part of the game that we f- felt we had to talk about it we wanted to get her out there and show people that we had so i asked him you know does that mean that's it or are there more secrets he's like oh there's so much more that we're not going to be talking about before the launch and that's what they should do they should mm. keep their best bits as a surprise for you the gamers because it it's no fun if we come out and say hey guys check out this awesome mode blah and then yeah. it's not a surprise so I like I say this is why I'm confident it'll be a better game than Arkham Asylum because I know that they're keeping back the very best yeah. of what's in it I mean you know certainly from the, the impression you get from the demos they're given is that they're showing a very very small area of that game mm-hmm. I mean it's basically been the same we've seen basically the same demo for six yeah. months you know over and over just a slightly tweaked version yeah. of it um, so it does it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if there were there were more and that's why you know I, part of me is is kind of maybe they just know that people are getting out and buy it anyway, so they don't need to go out there and say, "Hey, hey look what great, yeah. great game modes we got." But for me, I just almost wanted to see them say, "You know, here's a great yeah. new thing." Um, as for my fifth favorite, I don't. Know, I mean, the Metal Gear Solid HD trilogy is amazing. I'm not going to put it in there simply because they're games we've played before, but man, alive. That's a winning package coming to 360. I mean, Peace Walker's what? One of the one of the greatest games ever yeah, made. Yeah, well, in fact, Peace Walker's the only one of the three that I haven't really done yet. I've, I've got it on PSP. I mean, I played Ga- it a bit, Gapper thinks uh, it's one of the best games ever. I, I, mean, I, I cannot know. wait to do that in HD. I'm going to hold off I now. haven't actually played Peace Walker. I've paid, um, I paid two, which I didn't really like. No, three was... I haven't immense. really played, played three. Oh, three is so good. Um... So that's up there. Obviously, Assassins, you know, me more than anyone, I'm hugely into Assassins. But I'm probably not going to put it in my top five just because I feel a bit assassined out. At the yeah, it's, it's, like, it's getting a little bit. I don't okay, know. it's like, okay, kind of like with Batman when I was playing, I was like, okay, I, I know what I'm getting yeah. from this. It's going to be amazing, but I'm not going to put it in there. Far Cry 3, oh, it's a contender. It, that's hot that's really good stuff like when what, we saw when we saw like the pictures of the new bad guy and stuff we're like oh this looks a bit 
bit silly. But then that that demo, great demo, that was good, good great acting, demo. so visceral. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. About like that. you say, great acting, and they've um, they've almost taken the kind of uh, La Noire has taken it, you know, the whole acting thing in one direction, and, and Far Cry's kind of taken it in the other with yeah. full motion capture. They capture the face as well. I can't remember. Can they've tell. certainly lip synced the. They certainly lip sync yeah. the characters really well, and, and you can see in the, their eyes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing with that demo, I thought was brilliantly acted. The what's his name, the bad guy, um, whatever his name is, Man, Man Max dude, Man <laughs> Man Marnigan. He's um, is his acting was superb, voice acting was superb. Yeah. Uh, the script was really good. The only thing I thought was slightly off about it was his his eyes were dead. Okay, he had dead eyes, and, it's and a I hard think thing to get. It isn't is it? hard to get, and I think that you know they need to sort that out. But otherwise, I thought it was a pretty perfect demo. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Far Cry Three was good. A game that I'm not going to say is in my top five, but I was super impressed by, and a game that no one would expect me to say is Rayman Origins. Wow. <laughs> I'm really excited about that game. It looks great. I mean, Michelle Ansel has done a great job of of just making a celebration of Rayman. Is there a lot to celebrate there? Well, that's up for debate. But I mean, it it looks amazing, and it looks and it sorry, and it plays as good as it looks. It really does. I played it. Um, I only played it single player. Obviously, it's a co op game as well. Uh, it's just good fun. Like there aren't games like that around anymore. So it's good it to see someone. It certainly does look it. nice. Um, oh, I'll give you that. And you know, happy music. And now I, I, I really bought into Rayman at the show. I, I was a big fan. But that, that's not even my top five. Come on, five. then, Pellet. You're beating around the bush here. I People know. want to know what some, the some of... I'm almost tempted to put in as well is Hitman. We're big Hitman fans. In fact, we like Hitman more than any other mag. That's a guarantee. That's I facts. promise you. Between me, Mike, and Tim, no one knows Hitman like Xbox World. And you know what the the level they demoed it was a linear get a linear uh, level much like death of a showman for blood money so it wasn't the best game to, the best level to showcase proper hitman in yeah. but what they showcased was great it was very much like batman arkham asylum in many ways but killing people mm. um and it was cool it was funny at times it was tense at times yeah it wasn't as as s- stealthy and sneaky in the well, way we that we know him combat in it now um no, because cause it was like, it was deliberately trying to touch all those points. It was a level designed so that you got a taste of stealth. You got a taste of, of combat. You got a taste of running away. You got a taste of hiding. It was a tutorial level. I don't necessarily think that will translate to the game. I think, in fact, they've come out and said, apart from that, you can play the whole game without killing anyone. Yeah, see, that's so, that, that's how I like I like yeah, it. Nice and silent you know, assassin, so, yeah. you know, is, is what you should should attain. And you know what? That's going to be the case. So I'm not concerned about that at all. It just so happens that if you do want to have combat, combat's been improved. I mean, sometimes it does go hideously wrong in those games and you just have to shoot everyone. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, the, the, for me, the... The only way really to play those games was at least try to attain the Silent Assassin, right? Because otherwise it kind of betrayed the the puzzle box nature of the the levels. Absolutely. Um, But what I think I might go for, and it's going to be a bit of a letdown actually for you, you oh, that shat. Um, Dark Souls. Oh, that shat. (laughs) Dark Souls... Is you only played it for about five minutes, didn't you? No, I, 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 well, I, I was supposed to have a thirty minutes behind closed doors thing that was that was about six minutes long, um, but it was also playable on the show floor, mm. so I played it a bit. Dark Souls is incredible, and it's no surprise because Demon Souls is one of the the best games on on PS3, and this is 
that again, essentially, in a more open world. Um, Dark Souls isn't going to sell. I just can't see it selling. Well, well, number one, it's one of the hardest games ever made. It is. And, you know... <laughs> and number two, it's coming out in a sandwich of Battlefield, Call of Duty, Batman. Uh, what else? It's a crazy time. Assassins is going to be out. Demon's Souls was was a rock-hard game. Demon's few... Souls sold surprisingly yeah, well. Yeah, but though. it was a rock-hard game that few people few people could, could complete. And they've actively come out and said, mm. Dark Souls is going to be even harder. But the thing, the thing about Dark Souls is that that immediately is the switch-off point for many people, but it shouldn't be, because when you understand in which ways it's hard and what that means to the game, it all becomes clear. Like, it's it's hard, but that shouldn't put you off. That should motivate you in many ways. And I know it's easy for me to say that, and it's hard for you to, to appreciate that fact, but Dark Souls is absolutely a game that has you working. And it, it's all about intrinsic motivation. Dark Souls doesn't reward you with, like, hey, you've unlocked this gun you've unlocked this super sergeant special rank dark souls motivates you by saying you're crap can you get can you get this far in the level we don't think you can and then you do it and you're like yes i've done it that is an achievement there's that i suppose but there's also the the school of thought who are like people have less time these days (laughs) you know do you want to get home and play a game that's going to completely stress you out is going to antagonize you is going to tell you you're shite at games i don't I don't think Dark Souls is a game... You fail a lot, but I don't think that it's a game that you you feel like you fail. It's just... There's no feel. There's no feeling of failure in Dark Souls through failure. It's just the feeling of success when you finally do make it. The game is in failure. That is the game. The game is in like, oh, I can't do it this time, but next time I'll be, be better prepared. That is the experience. And so I don't find it. It's like, yeah, you slap your, he- your hand on your head when you slip up at a key point. But that just gets you ready for the next time. So it's not a game, I think, that is frustrating because that's worked into, into the level design um, and that's worked into the social media aspect where you're leaving messages for other people and you're helping other people in their own game by leaving messages and items for them um, now I think I mean Dark Souls is probably <laughs> there are so many games this year that I end up saying oh it could be game of the year Batman Skyrim um, Dark Souls Battlefield these are all games <coughs> Assassins that I'm qu- quite frightened of come review time I don't know if we've got the numbers to handle how good they really are. Um, it's a crazy generation. We've been going six years. There's no end in sight <coughs> yet of, of the Xbox 360. And games just get better. Mm. They just keep getting better. If you think like Halo 3 is a few years old now, mm. it's still a great game. But it's been surpassed. Mm. And games are just getting better every year. This has got to be, this has got to be one of the best generations of all time. Like everyone looks back and say, oh, what's the best console? Well, N64 crops up a lot. Maybe Dreamcast for a few, you know, Sega fans deep down. Although I think that's a contentious point. Um, yeah, N64, maybe first PlayStation. There are a few... Co- SNES. SNES is yeah. up there. Honestly, 360. Mm. Like if you look at the games that are available and you look at the games that are coming and the games that have yet to be announced that are definitely coming, which we know about... I mean, geez, you got something for everyone. You've got, you know, Forza 3, which is going to be better by Forza 4, most certainly. You know, the best racing game, the only racing game you ever need. You've got stuff like Batman, finally a good license game. We're getting the second one this year. You've got your Dark Souls. You've got Call of Duty Modern Warfare 4, the pinnacle of first-person shooters. 
Yeah, and they're just game after game after game. If you like sports, well, FIFA, never been better. There's never been a better football game than FIFA. Mm. SSX is coming back. You've got to skate. You've got so many sports games, so many fighting games. Street Fighter 4, Super Street Fighter 4. It's frightening. This has got to be the best console ever. Mm. It really has. And this year is is up there. It's arguably one of the, one of the top years for 360. Um, so yeah, that rounds off my, my top five for E3. But there are, there are lots that didn't make it that, and that's the thing like it's hard to come back from E3 and say yes I was disappointed because I'm struggling to say mm. you know to, to pick what is going to be the game of the year because there are so many contenders there's so much good games so many good games that were at E3 that I cannot be saddened by what you I cannot so be I'm held like, responsible no, for your I opinions I can't at all so let's um, run through a couple of questions and then we'll we'll talk a little bit more about what we've been playing in the office at the moment um, so this is a question that uh Pallet, you're probably best place to answer mm-hmm. on the team. Uh, Josh Hardy says, I'm considering getting a JRPG for a complete newbie. Uh, could you recommend one? Lost Odyssey. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I think that would be... I mean, it's the best JRPG on the console, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just considering weighing up whether it, it's the best for a, a newcomer. I think, yes, I think you need to be aware going into it. There are a couple of major difficulty spikes on the first disc. It's a... Four disc, three disc, three di- four, di- four disc game. Uh, on the first disc, there are a couple of boss battles that even had me raging. Even the great um, Matt Pellet was even raging. Great Matt Pellet. Um, so it's worth just like hopping online for a little bit, but guide for those ones. But that is by far and away the best to go for. I'm actually playing through Blue Dragon now. For a starter, that's also very, very good. It's the same people as Mist Walker who make Blue Dragon. A little bit cutesy um, for my liking compared to Lost Odyssey. Um, but that, again, will be a good shout. One okay. of those two. On uh, the JRPG uh, tip, uh, John Crean says, I would like to know if you think Final Fantasy thirteen two will live up to the Final Fantasy name after thirteen was such a terrible game. No, but it'll be better than thirteen. I played it uh, quite extensively before E3, and at E3 I chatted to um, uh, Katasi-san, who's obviously a producer of Final Fantasy. Now he's the guy who made like Final Fantasy seven and stuff. Um, they've got things like jump buttons in which are really not needed you've got QTEs in battles which really aren't, aren't necessary uh, you've got more open environments which are good it's something that I complained about quite quite a lot about 13 uh, you'll have a little bit more say in where you go what you do who you speak to missions um, some quests anyway that you take on you can then choose like how you approach it whether or not you go tackle the boss straight off whether or not you go almost like the old Resident Evil Plant 42 VJOT situation whether you go like to a, an underground base and, and do something that will weaken the boss before you approach them um, it'll be better of that I'm, I'm quite sure but is it going to be worthy of the Final Fantasy name if you consider that games like Final Fantasy 4, 6, 7, 9 exist no, but then you could argue that 10 wasn't worthy of the name mm. and that, you know, 11 and 14 certainly aren't. The the MMOs, they're absolutely not worthy of the name. So, I don't know. In the present company, it's better than what we've had recently from Final Fantasy. Okay, a couple of interesting questions here. Um, I'm going to spin Matthew Simpson's question about Prey 2 into a, a sort of double question with uh, Stephen Cahoe, who's, who's asked about I mean, Matthew Simpson's asking about Prey 2 generally, but um, Prey 2 was a game that was fairly conspicuous by its absence at, at E3. I mean, it was there, but we didn't really see... No, I no mean, one it, really talked about it. And, and also, uh, Stephen Coe says, what happened to Spec Ops The Line? Well, Prey 2 was there. Basically, Bethesda's booth was 
you had your hour booked and you went and you sat in, you got your ticket, you went and you sat in the theatre and watched Skyrim presentation and everyone's like blown away. It's like, right, now you go out and you go play Rage and then after you play Rage, you go watch Prey 2 or maybe you saw Prey 2 presentation and then you played Rage. I think everyone was so on a high from seeing Skyrim and playing Rage that no one really gave a damn about talking about Prey 2, mm. which they sat and watched a video of. Um, I mean, as it happened... I went over there, doubled up with OXM, and OXM had the Bethesda slots. I just went to see Skyrim as well because, you know, the mag's such mm. a big fan of The Elder Scrolls, as am I. I couldn't go to E3 and not see Skyrim. So we didn't personally see Prey 2 there. No, no one was really talking about it much. I don't think that's a suggestion that it's a bad game at all. I just no. think there were so many great games that Prey 2 got lost in the shuffle. We saw yeah. Prey 2 last year and it kind of looked interesting, looked very Blade Runner, very different, and we'll be doing more more in the future for sure. But It's, it's ambitious. I mean, it's very, yeah. very ambitious and it's, it, it doesn't just look a bit Blade Runner. I mean, it basically is yeah. Blade Runner, um, but with aliens. Yeah. Um, and... And, you know, they've got this sort of open world where you can go around and you can bounty hunt people and you can bring them in to, to get rewards. I guess a bit, a little bit Red Dead Redemption-y, yeah. I guess, in that in that respect. A bit uh, Stranger's Wrath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i Stranger's is, yeah. Wrath in no, some ways. No, it is, yeah. Um, you know, whether, whether they can pull off that kind of ambitious scope, I mean, it's basically GTA kind of in space I yeah guess. with mirror's edge parkour yeah in a way. it's very ambitious so yeah. we didn't really see like i say we didn't personally see it at e3 we've seen it in action before and we we kind of liked what we saw but we it's all in the execution yeah. really you know, yeah absolutely and bethesda haven't been showing it too much they had it e3 but like i say it was it's crowded out by rage and Beth and uh, skyrim on their own stands so mm. so no one's really had an opportunity just to sit down and soak in that game and that game only so there'll be more on it in the future just as and when Bethesda dictate that people can see it so if Prey 2 was there but but no one was talking about it where, where the hell was Spec Ops aligned it weren't there yeah I don't know we I don't know I mean we did a game. cover on that start of last yeah. year last Feb I mean Mike went to see it in Germany and said that alongside Rocksteady's use of Unreal in Batman he said it was the best yeah. use of Unreal he's seen so God I knows. mean it's just completely disappeared I mean Take 2 I mean but parent company Take Two obviously have handled La Noir and and Red Dead. They're not ones to be afraid to take a game out of commission for two years, take it away from the spotlight completely, and then come back with a bang. I'm anticipating they do that with it. Mm. There's going to come back next year, start next year. Bam! This is Spec Ops is out in summer because um, already people are stacking up their games for next year. We've seen. Oh crap! I can't even believe I forgot to mention Tomb Raider in my top five. Oh, you did. But Tomb Raider, I. Uh, I'll say I saw that a couple of weeks before E3, which is why I, I didn't talk about it much at E3. Um, but, you know, Tomb Raider's out next year. Bioshock Infinite's out next year. I can see them trying to get Spec Ops in, like, that yeah. wave of, like, big games for next year. I seriously hope it isn't cancelled because Mike came back with so Pretty many good things to say about, about it. it. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think it's just one they've taken away from the spotlight for a while. Let this big glut of games this year get out the door yeah. and then they can finally find space for Spec Ops. So final question before we move on a little bit. Uh, it ties in quite nicely to where I think we're, we're about to head next. Uh, Matthew Young says, I just finished Dead Space 2. The last box was, boss was too annoying and ruined it for me. Reminds me of Gapper saying the worst type of boss is one with endlessly spawning minions. Have any of you played a game and then had it ruined in the last... He says tw last 20 minutes, but I guess last, you know... Red Faction, Red Faction Armageddon, and I actually said a little bit in the review, the last hour of Red Faction really lets it down because up until then it's a great game. Mm. 
and the last it does the Dead Space 2 trick of, of just before the boss you've got two levels in Dead Space 2 where it's just like you're pursued by enemy after enemy and, and all you can do is run away you can't really turn around and shoot because there are too many to handle you've not got the ammo to deal with it Red Faction Armageddon does exactly the same trick and it's cheap and it's needless because Red Faction's got this great um, environment environmental defamation system and, and it doesn't utilise it at this point in time and I don't get why they did it it was mental it was it was game design farting and it was absolute worse um, whoever was in charge of that situation needs a sharp slap around the face um, so that that absolutely spoiled it I mean I think there must be loads of games at the here's end a game of, that, here's a game that whose last uh, last couple of hours is not uh, not to my personal liking uh, was L.A. Noire uh, unfortunately, we can't talk about it because Matt's, Matt, being the rubbish gamer he is, hasn't completed it yet. Notoriously bad at games, so we can't really talk about the ending. Despite the fact that I said to Matt, "We need to, you need to finish it by a podcast so that we can talk about the ending," but he's really, really failed to do that. Once when again. the wife says that she's got to go to You're bed, so under the got, thumb. I am. So we can talk about it up until the first arson case, but beyond that, i.e., the really juicy bit, he can't, we can't talk about. But impressions of Alain Noir, Matt. I love it. Um, it's got, it's definitely got issues. Like Lucy and I, uh, we're playing it together and a lot of the times we look at each other, it's like, is that like, we said truth or we've said doubt and it's been wrong. It's like, well, I've kind of, I know this and I, I've got this evidence that says that and I, I find it a bit obscure in, in some cases. Um, and there, there have definitely, definitely been um, times where the actual logic of the case from A to Z has has failed. Like one of the DLC cases, there was a guy who I needed some evidence Easy to on prove. Easy the details of the DLC, yeah. I haven't played But it I needed to, some evidence to prove that this guy was involved in some shady dealings. I didn't have it, so I asked him whether or not he was. He said he wasn't, and I couldn't, I couldn't say that he was lying. Then after that, it suddenly opened up two more questions about the shady dealings that he was then admitting he was a part of mm. and was trying to say, well, actually, it wasn't my fault. It was these other people's fault. And it's like, well, that clearly isn't what was supposed to happen. Um, so I found it broken a couple of times in that respect as just as a game to sit back and experience. I mean, Lucy and I have been playing it for about 16 hours now. It's great. We haven't done that for a game for so long. No. And, you know, it's really nice to go back in an evening and say, right, let's play a case of L.A. Noir. Mm. Um you know, I'm absolutely ready for more of it. Yeah. I really am. It's, it's it's awesome. We've loved it. It's something we've enjoyed together. We can both uh, contribute. She can throw her suggestions out, and I can yeah, follow them and, and get the game right, or ignore them and invariably get it wrong. She's yeah. been right so many times when I haven't been. Um, and yeah, it's just I, I, I love the environment. I think LA, yeah. LA's I, I a great finished place. it in about fifteen, just over fifteen hours, and I thought it was. I really, really loved it. I thought it was it was terrific. Um, I thought the second half of the game was was not as good as the first half of the game. I thought the first half of the game was pretty tight. All right. Um, I thought the scripting was pretty tight. I thought the missions were pretty tight. Where I thought it started to lose a little bit of its uh, magic was was the the arse end of the homicide desk. Okay. I thought the 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 way it 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 all came together at the end of the the Dahlia you know with the Dahlia and stuff mm. was really weak I think we were all, all agreed on that front you know yeah. it was obvious throughout the whole homicide cases it was obvious the same guy was doing it now 
it's hard, I think, from from a, a narrative point of view, from a plotting point of view, for for you as a player to be ahead of you know of Phelps. I mean, Phelps didn't even know, didn't you know? Phil, I think Phelps sort of had a suspicion that something was going on because he kept referencing mm-hmm. the Dahlia and oh, it looks just like that. But you had Mister Cliche as his partner, who was like, "Hey, it's got nothing to do with that. Don't worry yeah. about it. It's just husband's beating up." And he was sort of rode along with that. And I think that that's where it sort of brought you out of the out of the action a little bit because before then I was totally immersed in this world yeah. and every decision that had been made up until that point I'd kind of gone along with and, and kind of seen the sense in. Uh, I, and it wasn't just that it was obvious that the Dahlia was doing all the um, all the killings. Yeah. It was the shatty treasure hunt mission <laughs> that was the Dahlia mission. Now, you yeah. said you didn't mind that. I didn't mind it. It got... Towards the end, it was a bit like... I thought okay. it was terrible. I thought driving all over the city and following these clues, like climbing all the way the to the top of the building. I the idea of actually feeling like I was being a detective for once rather than just going to the I d- yeah. going through the paths that were laid sure, out Sure, yeah. Me. I didn't mind the kind of working out working out the clues as, you know, working out the clues mm. as to where geographically you were supposed to go. It was more like driving here, driving there, yeah. climbing up the side of a building yeah. to find a letter. By the third time, you thought, like, okay, I'll get it now. I've run the chandelier off. bit as well in the thing. And then they walk <laughs> and they away and they're like, see, anyway, yeah. see you later. <laughs> uh, their chandeliers all over the floor <laughs> and the security guy's just sitting there behind his desk. <laughs> uh, I um, think I think I would have, I, I, I totally agree with you in terms of, you know, Phelps, he had this idea, but never really followed it up. I would have liked to have seen actually... Um, like him do some late night out of work reconnaissance almost. Mm. Like he certainly weren't going back to his loving wife in, in the evenings. Why not? If he was so bothered by this, which I think we're supposed to believe he was bothered by the fact that it was people were not believing there was one guy. Why wasn't he pursue why wasn't he actively pursuing it? The only time it came across that Phelps was, you know, angered by people ignoring him was in the car. He was just saying well, it's one person and the other guy's like, Rusty's like, no, it's the husband. They're all separate. And Phelps is like, no, you're wrong. But that's the extent of it. Mm. I wanted to go and investigate on my own time what was going on. I would have liked Phelps to do the same thing. Mm. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what you make of the last couple of hours. I mean, I... I, I did you not enjoy Vice? I really did like Vice. I but- didn't mind Vice. I didn't mind Vice. Um, uh, I... I sort of, I, I, yeah, I did enjoy, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy those cases. I mean, I enjoyed it all. I enjoyed all the all the desks mm-hmm. to an extent, to a, to a less, you know, less, to a lesser degree, some of the cases. But but overall, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it all. I mean, I definitely was sad when the game ended, yeah. despite my reservations about about the ending. The last two hours for me felt jarring in, in context of how everything had been laid out before, um, and you know, we had a. I had a discussion with some of the guys who met, who may be listening now on on Facebook of, of last week about it, and not everyone agreed with me. Some people felt felt it was it was a really good way to to wrap yeah. up the the game, you know, and um, and that's fine. I mean, I'm, it was just a personal reaction mm. to it, you know, having quite an interest in the you know in the, the that sort of genre and, and having quite an interest in the sort of narrative. Um, the idea of narrative and plotting and all that sort of stuff. I just felt that it did a couple of things that, you know, in 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 books I think is is very it can be pulled off, but it needs to be it need to be done a different way yeah. in order to do it. And I'm quite interested to see because rock stars never want to shy away from like a a, a weird ending. Like mm. Red Dead had 
a very odd ending mm. in terms of games. Um, how you almost went back to the start in many ways and it turned quite mundane for about 30 minutes and I thought it was very brave and ultimately I really liked it but I know Mike hated that ending so I'm quite interested to see what they yeah what they what they do with yeah. it and next podcast we'll uh, we'll report on my impressions we'll, we'll talk openly about the the conclusion yeah so what else have you been playing anything else or mm, nope no I have what have I been playing Blue Dragon on and off, but that's not interesting to talk about. I mean, I've just been playing stuff that like, we've reviewed recently. Um, Shadows of the, the Dam, which we talked about on the, on the DVD just before we've recorded this podcast, mm. which I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Split opinion in the office. Yeah, Mike's not Mike's not too hot on it, but uh, I think it's I think it's great. It's, it's got issues, you know. Um, I don't think the the big boner fixed gun emplacement bit works that well. I think the two D levels are are okay, but they're they're not amazing. Um, and it's it's quite a linear title. It's certainly far more linear than, than Resi 4, just not so much in the A to Z because Resi 4 was linear in that respect, but in the environments as well. Mm. There aren't really many open village-style environments. But um, no, it's great. I, it had me chuckling throughout. It kept me entertained. It really did, and the gunplay felt good. Um, the setting was great. Characters awesome. Um, yeah, and when I'm laughing and blowing off demon heads and stuff, I didn't really have too much cause for complaint. One of the things I did like about L.A. Noire was was having just fi- finished it a week or so ago. Is is it was a fairly sort of relaxing game, you know? You yeah, didn't, it is. You yeah. didn't feel like you were like, oh god, this game is like doing my nutting. Yeah, you know, it was like a, there were a couple of moments where I was just like, oh god, that's terrible game design, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't. Uh, I was never frustrated too much by it. I mean, the only times I got frustrated was when in some of the sort of car chases where you're chasing people and you career into a tree or something. Yeah. And the car chases actually get... They they, 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 they they change from open roads to like narrow back alleys do, later yeah. on. So there's always the potential to career into I've a tree. I've done that or many so. a Yeah, time. you know, that was the only time. But otherwise I felt it... And it was such a refreshing change, you know, yeah. to... For me, you get so frustrated with games, you know, and... Uh, and uh, has not very much patience. In fact, there was one stealth section that really peed me off. There was one bit I had to tail a guy. And it just kept going wrong like about eight times and I refused to skip it. I wanted to get it done. But like he was seeing me when it was impossible to see me because I was hiding behind a building. There was no line of sight. Mm. I was like, for goodness sake. <laughs> but I finally did it in the end. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the other game I've been playing at the, uh, recently is uh, something I'm just going through at the moment about a quarter in I'm not that far is uh, is Duke Nukem yeah right okay <sighs> I, as know, bad as as bad as all that I haven't actually played I, it yet I, I don't know I mean it's been getting threes across the board pretty much um, yeah I can see why uh, it's, it's kind of cool like once you get past the the wow it's Duke again um, which lasts for a, a while you know it's like wow it is good to be playing Duke again like, everything about it is ancient Mm. like dusty cobweb de- game design it looks pretty bad it has its moments where it looks lovely for about 10 seconds and then you back to the horrible brown low res environments I think I said to you this morning I mean my impression of it I ha- like I said I haven't played it yet but my impression of it is that it has that kind of old school slightly juvenile uh, kind of vibe to it which um, you know is is sort of in a in a 
for curiosity, curiosity's mm. sake, quite interesting yeah. to start with. But with it comes a very equally old game design. Yeah, as you yeah no, that's the thing. I don't have a problem too much with the style. I think, you know, that's the one endearing thing about it. Although I, I understand later on it gets quite offensive. Um, I played Duke 3D on XBLA last year um, and I think it holds up. It was great. I, I played it from start to finish for the first time in my life, in fact. And I honestly wanted to play it through to the end. I thought, okay, I had a shattered boss. But um, yeah, I had a real good time playing Duke 3D. I'm not having a good time playing forever. Uh, it's mostly down to the actual, um, like taking the taking the two, well, I know it's 3D, but taking the essentially 2D sprites and graphics and whatever, put it, taking that out and sticking the, the game design into a 3D environment that looks rough and is quite ropey, doesn't work. The gunplay doesn't hold up, whereas I think it still is passable in Duke 3D. Mm. Um, and the level design is is atrocious at times. So there have been moments where I've been stuck and had to reload the level because I've been stuck because it hasn't been clear where I'm supposed to go and I have to run around the edges of each level to find the exit. And I've had to reload levels because there's been something key that I've had to... Uh, that's had to be spawned into the level that hasn't happened so I had to reload it for that to that to happen one great bit yesterday um, I didn't know where to go and I went over to a bit and suddenly this beeping started I'm like what the hell what's this beeping and I blew up I'm like what the freak happened and it turned out when I played it again there's, there's a, a companion of yours is standing at this spot and when you go near him he's like right I'll clear the path and I'll throw like two or three pulse grenades into the blockage to blow it up only where I was standing when I ran over was in that path and he just threw them onto me and they were stuck on me and I blew up and it's like great that's awesome thanks a lot I think it just typifies forever unfortunately yeah. um, bit yeah, of a mess yeah um, let's have some more questions then uh, as we, we we rattle towards the end of this uh, this podcast. Um, Michael Hutchinson, this may be a question that we might hold over for, for Mike because he is, I think, a bit more of a Halo expert than, than either uh, Matt or I. But I'll, I'll throw it out there, Matt, and see what you think. Uh, what do you guys think uh, we can expect plot story-wise for Halo 4? Because the human covenant war has ended and the flood has been eradicated, at least in that sector of the galaxy where the Ark is. We see the Chief floating towards a forerunner planet. Yep. Do we think he'll be fighting them? How different a game do you think it will be because of this? No warthogs, ghosts, covenant weapons, question mark? That's a good point. I mean, it's, uh, uh, Halo 3 finished off with uh, obviously this, the ship with old Mickey C and getting cut in two. And then if you finish it on Legendary, which I did... Yes, get in. You saw the secret ending where um, he was looking out to the Forerunner planet, and that's obviously where where it picks up with the E3 video. Um, I mean, everything points to him landing on that Forerunner planet. I can't imagine that they'd scrap uh, the Covenant. I can't. I don't know. I just seems unlikely. Yeah, I, I almost see like a separate band of Covenant, like mm. finding the planet and like getting revenge on Master Chief. Um, He's like got Bruce different. He's got di in the trailer. He's got different armor. He's got different yeah, gun. He has. I mean, it would be a big leap. I just think they need to keep some touch points. It's mm. a different developer. I think it would be unwise for them to change everything about Halo. Yeah. Um, I, it makes sense that it is on the Forerunner planet. Will we see Forerunners? I don't know. Maybe it turns out Forerunners of freaking Covenant. Mm. <clears throat> I mean, Mass Effect's done a similar trick. In fact, yeah. Mass Effect's done the same trick. Um, I don't know. I, 
yeah, it doesn't make sense to to lose the the ghosts, the warthogs. I, I can't see that. Them doing that's that. a staple. That's what Halo part is, it, you know. Um, so I don't know. We, we're all kind of in the dark. We're all. I won't want to put out any wild accusations at the moment. Um, but watch this space. Yeah, we'll we'll think, be covering so it. So just to sum up, you think they'll probably the Covenant will probably be in it again. Yeah, I would I would imagine Warthogs, so. Warthogs, ghosts, they'll be back. I can, I can see. Yeah, I mean but the interesting thing the things will probably be given a twist. Yeah, the, I mean the forerunner stuff, it didn't really look there was much room for organic life on the planet. But then like if you consider the halo was an it was a forerunner construct. Mm. Um so and that had waterfalls and cliffs and and all sorts. So maybe like you'll get in there and they're all like earth-like environments. Maybe it's like an archive of of life forms. We don't know. They could they could literally do anything and I'm sure they're they're doing everything if three four three is doing everything in its power to make sure that people who love the whole old halos aren't gonna come in and say, What's all this virtual reality nonsense? It's turned into body count. Yeah. You know, it it'll be familiar, I'm sure. Did um did Frank O'Connor of three four three did they talk at all about um, the sort of reported troubled development it's had? No, um, no, not really. To be honest, when I was chatting to Frank, uh, it was primarily for Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. Mm. I did ask him what would them bring him back Anniversary. Uh, because Anniversary is still the pinnacle of the series, as far as I'm concerned, even without the online multiplayer component, which is going to be fixed now, of course. Um I said, you know, is has it kind of refreshed people's memories of what Halo was originally and is it going to be used as the jumping off point for the new trilogy? And he said, not really. Like, there were too many things introduced in Halo 2 and Halo 3 and, and Reach that he wouldn't want to let go. Like, Halo's going to continue from Reach. It's, well, from 3, I guess, from a narrative point of view, he wouldn't want to take it back to basics and go back to the Halo 1 Mickey Chief and all his, his fewer powers. So, um... So I've completely forgotten the question. <laughs> oh yeah, did we talk about it? So yeah. no, that that was all he uh, that was all he really said about Halo Four. Uh, Cole Francis says, "What he says? What's your top ten horror games of all time?" But I think you can just tri- pick one. Um, Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Um, it's not. I'm I'm not re- even really sure it's my top horror game. Uh, so I've completely sidestepped the question. But it was a game that I had a lot of love for. Uh, 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 and that was that was Shadow Man on N sixty four, okay. Which was not it's not it's not a Resi beater. It's not yeah. anywhere close to being Resi beater. It's not a Dead Space beater. It's not close to that. But it was a game that did a lot of interesting things. You know, it had a lot of really interesting villains in it, uh, and a lot of really interesting ideas. And our, our, and it had it had a sort of a atmosphere about it that was quite unique at the time. So um, I remember that very fondly. I underline that it's not necessarily the. It's definitely not the best horror mm-hmm. game ever made, and it might not even be my favourite one. But it's one that I feel quite affectionate for. Okay. Um, and some of the stuff that scared me most, like Amnesia, is running. Project Zero, I think, gives me the willies more than anything else. Little creepy girl ghost, black and white opening level, hanging people. I don't like hanging people. Um, yeah, Project Zero messed me up, and Forbidden Sirens pretty creepy as well. Um, my actual favourite horror game, though, I don't, I didn't find it scary, but you know, it's my favourite and it's a horror. Is the Resident Evil remake on the GameCube? I love Resident Evil. I've always adored Resi, and uh, 
and having it remade and exploring the you know the the estate and finding new bits to it and new monsters finding lisa trevor that was astonishing and uh, nothing has topped that for me in, in the horror realm although resident evil 2 is a is a great great game and arguably better i mean it's a huge game far bigger than resi resi 1 um yeah that, that'll be my pick but in terms of scares project zero or amnesia freaky as hell Darren Sampson asks, if I were to only splurge on one special edition of a game before the end of the year, what do you oh, think seems geez. like the most worthy of purchase? I think the problem is we haven't seen all the special yeah, editions no. yet for this year. Um, he says the top-end Fancy Pants edition of Deus Ex... Uh, oh, sorry, he says, do, should I do the top-end version of Deus Ex or, or, or Battlefield or Modern... Is he a Modern Warfare? I'm a bit confused by the question, but uh, anyway, um, I think I think we haven't really seen all the no. special editions yet, so it's difficult to gauge it. I mean, last year of those, I'd pick Deus Ex because you get extra stuff and extra game content. Yeah. I mean, uh, Modern Warfare. I mean, Modern Warfare is so ridiculous with their top end with their top end packs. Anyway, it's like here's a remote control car. It's like you can shove that up your ass. To be honest, mm. like, it's not. Well, you, make I mean, the you game can show it up your ass. It's probably not the best place for <laughs> no, it. No, I mean, whereas I think there's there is some cool stuff as well, but I think Deus Ex also includes stuff. Decent stuff for the game. Um, Deus Ex is another is another one we've completely neglected to mention, mm. um, which you know is is one of this year's top top titles. Yeah, I mean so, it's out very soon. So is that um, in August. You, you know, again, that was a, a few games surprised me at E3. We haven't we haven't. I talked about my favourite ones at E3. A few games quickly that surprised me pleasantly. Um, Dead Island. I played Dead Island. I loved playing Dead Island. I never thought I'd say that about it, but I, I loved it. It was like playing Borderlands again, more so than Left 4 Dead anyway. Um, I think it's a good game that I'm very excited to play. It's a game that I would absolutely play at home, and I'll be playing at home quite a lot because I played it for an hour. It wasn't like a five-minute impression mm. on the show floor. I went to, to to a room where they had it set up, played four-player co-op for a full hour, had a blast, one of my favourite hands-on sessions of the show. Um, I don't need to talk about SSX because I think I've, I've said in the past about how how surprising how sorry how good that was it's no surprise sniper ghost warrior my sniper ghost warrior 2 rather might actually be a good game very surprising mm. uh, and the other surprising one was XCOM. yeah uh, which we weren't excited about at all but now yeah i've got a lot of faith in them XCOM might be good bill borum says uh, if you were trapped in an elevator which video ca- game character would you uh, want to be trapped with someone i bet i bet i can guess who yours would be palette Go on. It'll be Wasserface from Chuck in Mass Effect form. Oh, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you're right, it would be. It would have to be a sexy lady. Yeah, it would be. I reckon yeah, that, woman, that woman with giganto breasts from uh, from Soul Calibur. What, for you, Ivy? Yeah. They... Ivy's a bit old, though. Oh, who cares? <laughs> who cares? She looks really, really nice in there, nice and <laughs> nicely a, proportioned. She's it? a bit like Granny Jan now. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, if if you know who Granny Jan is, we we apologise. Um, that's one for long long term readers. Pellet knows who Granny Jan is a little <laughs> bit too much. Um, I know I, I wouldn't be my I wouldn't mind being sucking with like Jade from Beyond Good and Evil or Alex from Half Life. Yeah, Beyond Good and Evil. Now it's on the next next generation yeah, of consoles. It's coming. It's coming. I'll tell you, Tim. It's coming. Um, who well, I don't know. Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably go for a Mass Effect lady. Why not? How about you? Um Would you like to get a second with like Jute Newcomb or something? <laughs> Give him a piece of my mind. <laughs> um I don't know, it's a difficult one because you know, if you if you get stuck stuck in 
Because a lot of vid- a lot of video game characters aren't really that interesting. That's that's a problem. So it's not like you'd be like, oh yeah, great. I'm stuck in a lift with this guy. Well, when you Brilliant. have that also, like if you that awful, awful moment where like if you're stuck in with like Starkiller from Force Unleashed or or with uh, Darius Mason from Red Faction, you'd be like, oh hi, it's it's you from from that game. <laughs> that's <laughs> okay. right, yeah. That that game with space. Boots. Hello, you. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be really really awkward so um, Bill we hope you like our answer which involved no commitment to uh, who we'd like to be stuck there'd with. be some freaking awful characters getting stuck yeah. in this, like Dynamite Heady be dangerous who's Dynamite Heady he's on the Mega Drive but his head is like he could blow up Dynamite Heady yeah I, I, and, I could uh, see why he was given that name like wasn't there a game called The Ooze on Mega Drive as well just this blob of green gel like yeah. smelly gel I, I, think, I would like to get stuck in left with be less, gel. less worried about than than ending up with like uh, the great mighty poo from beyond uh, from Conquer's Bad Third Day. That'd be a crap lift day. <laughs> well, literally a crap <laughs> lift. Uh, okay, a couple more questions then. Uh, Andrew Haynes says, "Where's GTA Five? Well, Rockstar North being yeah, made. Yeah, it's being made at the moment. Um, the rumor is that they're about to. Well, not about to, but in the, before Christmas they're going to announce it um, and. Uh, the other rumour is that it's going to be set in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. one of the other rumours is it's going to be set in a real life Los Angeles mm-hmm. rather than what's it called in San Andreas? Uh, Los Santos yeah. no uh, I can't remember it's one of them it uh, wasn't Los Venture no no Los Santos I think Los it was um, so you know those them's the rumours uh it would certainly be a departure for the series if they actually did a real life version of a yeah. city because it doesn't give them that opportunity to kind of I guess they could recycle some of what they did in LA Noir but they still need to do all the new assets and stuff mm. um, yeah well, well we'll see yeah we'll <laughs> see what happens I, I think it's almost a shame if they do do complete real life because the good thing about 4 and there are many good things about 4 like don't let the GTA haters tell you it was it was terrible because it wasn't it was a great great game like, I like that it was Liberty City and not New York because mm. they could still do a few things like have the, the kooky shops and whatnot. I don't I think it, as soon as you take an environment into the real world you lose that part of GTA yeah. and that's been part of GTA's DNA from day I'd one I'd be surprised if they did it I'd be surprised if they did it does that mean there'd be like no twat cafe and no uh... yeah I mean I think that's, I think it'd be surprised surprise if they did it what I would have liked to have seen is, is and purely from a you know a fan of the game is like a modern day like Vice City you know like 20 okay. years on from Vice City see what the city's like okay. you know and but still like starring people who who want to live in that heyday so they still yeah, go around with the like the same it, radio stations exactly you know you could have an 80s station with all those sort of songs yeah. still on it and but you know still maybe, dress similar, yeah maybe like. it's gone to the dogs or yeah. maybe it's like really uh, you know it's prosperous, it's prosperous yeah. you know so but, but that would have been quite interesting I mean yeah. There's so many people out there who have got such a massive soft spot for for Vice City. And I think they're mostly people around our sort of age who maybe not yours, Pellet, but I around around City. our sort of age who were who grew up listening to that kind yeah. of music, who really recognised that kind of era. You know, maybe maybe Rockstar don't want to do it because you know it, it it is only appealing to that kind of age group. But personally, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see a modern day take on. Mm on Vice City to see what's happened to that place and uh, and you know what sort of environment it is now so uh, that's the podcast it's been a pretty long one sorry we haven't been able to answer all your questions thanks for them all we, we really appreciate you getting in touch we'll try and answer as many as we can um, 
uh, next time around as well. And for the ones that we haven't answered uh, on this podcast, uh, I'll try and get on there um, uh, in the next couple of days and answer some of those for you. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, do go on our forums, on our Facebook. Uh, like us on Facebook, please. Uh, uh, follow us on Twitter and or, or email us with anything you want to know and, and we'll always endeavour to answer it. And until the next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. 